0: Well, good morning. morning. I cannot tell you how good it is to see you today. Uh, If you're visiting with us for the first time, we are currently in a sermon series entitled Getting Tough with Temptation. And the objective of these sermons has been to help us become tough to tempt now last week, right in the middle of sermon number seven, we called a timeout, and we ask ourselves a question: Are we being realistic? I mean, can we weak human beings really become tough to tempt, or are we just kidding ourselves? Are we fighting a losing battle? I mean, thus far, we've taken a careful look at Adam and Eve, four Sundays, four Sundays, we looked at Adam and Eve. They weren't tough to tempt. Then we, we, we looked at a guy we looked at a story from a guy's life. His name's Shechem. His story's found in Genesis 34. He certainly wasn't tough to tempt. Then we did an overview of the life of Samson. tough to tempt? Not at all. Last week, we looked at a, a story from the life of David, uh, a man that God said, was a, he's a man after my own heart. Was he tough to tempt? No, as a matter of fact, he was rather easy to tempt. So if, if none of these people were tough to tempt, who in the world are we to think that we can really get tough with temptation? Is that possible? Is it possible to get tough with temptation? With that question in our mind last week, we closed out that sermon by looking at a story from the life of a young man named Joseph. Now, for the sake of those of of you who weren't here last week, I'm going to do a brief recap of the story. If you were here, you're going to be patient with me, right? Good deal. Joseph was the 11th son born to a man named Jacob. He was his father's favorite son, and Jacob didn't even try to hide it. Therefore, his ten older brothers, they hated him. When Joseph was 17 years old, God showed him through two dreams that one day you're going to be a great ruler, and your rule will extend to the point that your own family will bow to you. Well, Joseph unwisely shared these dreams with his ten older brothers. And the Bible said for that reason they hated him even more. You know how much they hated him? They hated him so much that they planned to kill him and even started. They even launched or initiated their plan. They threw their brother in an empty well and intended to leave him there and just let him starve to death. However, they eventually came upon a plan that would rid them of their brother while bringing them financial gain. They sold him for 20 pieces of silver to Slave traders who then led him down to Egypt, and once he got to Egypt, he was sold again. This time, he was purchased as a slave by a very wealthy, powerful man named Potiphar. Now, in Potiphar's house, God so blessed Joseph that Joseph succeeded at everything he did. And Potiphar took note of this, and so over a ten-year period of time, he promoted him over, and over, and over, and over again, until eventually. Joseph was the administrator over Potiphar's entire massive estate. And that's where we picked up on the story. We're going to read exactly what we read last week. Genesis 39, beginning verse number 6. The Bible says, So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Boy, would that be a lie. No stress, you know, no no schedule to keep, no just what am I going to eat? Joseph was a very handsome and well built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Now, remember, he's a slave, he is. I guess you could say her property. So she didn't ask, what do you, how would you feel about this? What do you think? Uh, could we go out for coffee? No, no, no. It was a demand. You come and you sleep with me. Look at verse number 8, because we found it to be refreshing, but Joseph refused. He said, no, not going to do it. Period. And then he explained his refusal. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? You see the way he worded it? It would be a great sin. Not just a sin, but a great sin against whom? God. She kept putting pressure. She didn't take no for an answer. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. Look at this. It's refreshing. He refused to sleep with her. Over and over again, he resists temptation. Over and over again. Pressure mounting over and over No, 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 no. And this next part, I love this. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he, key word there, you see it, ran. He ran from the house. From Joseph's story, we found the answer to the question, is it possible to get tough with temptation? And the answer is yes. Joseph did. Joseph got tough with temptation, and if he could, we can. Now, here was our big takeaway last week. This is the last one. We, get it? We can get tough with temptation. You and I can be tough to tempt. It can be done. We can be just as tough to tempt as Joseph. How? How in the world was he able to consistently say no to temptation? That's the question we're going to answer today. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to contrast the two men we talked about last week, Joseph and David. What was it about Joseph that made him tough to tempt? What was it about David that made him easy to tempt? This morning, we're going to learn some things from these two men that enable us to get tough with temptation. So you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, i making sure you're here with me. I didn't know what happened there. What was it that made Joseph tough to tempt? Now, I normally have one point, right? One point in a sermon. Today, I got six. I'm going to go kind of fast. You got it? Well, not really. (laughs) Number one, what made Joseph tough to tempt? Joseph never lost sight of God. Never lost sight of God. Never put God in the blind spot of his life. When Joseph was faced with temptation, he explained to his temptress, going to have to say no. And here's why. It would be a great sin against God. Joseph never lost sight of God, even though it appears to me it would have been easy to do. He was the only person in all of Egypt that worshipped his God. There was no temple. There were no synagogues, no churches in the entire country. No Christian radio or TV, no sermons on podcasts, no home Bible studies meeting down the block. Having lived in this pagan land for 10 long years, it would seem to me that it would have been easy for Joseph to lose sight of God. And if I had been Joseph, maybe I would have wanted To forget God. (laughs) You say what? I mean after all. Think about Joseph. After all God promised me a throne. And then sat back and let my brother sell me into slavery. I would have been asking. uh, You know. Where was God when I needed him? Why has God allowed this? I think anyone else. Under these circumstances. Probably would have wanted to forget God. But not Joseph. Not Joseph. Joseph never lost sight of the fact that God was with him. He never lost sight of the fact that. Even there in Egypt, God was watching. Joseph never lost sight of all that God was doing for him. He never lost sight of the fact that he, even though he's in Egypt, is still accountable to God. Joseph never lost sight of God, and I think that made him tough to tempt. What about David? You know, Chuck Swindoll wrote a, a great book about David. And when he was writing about David and Bathsheba, he said, and I paraphrase, it seems to me that in the face of temptation, David completely forgot God. He forgot that God was present. He forgot that God was watching. He forgot that he belonged to God and therefore was accountable to God. He forgot all that God had done for him and guys, i tell you what, as a result, God never really factored into his decision as to what to do with temptation. Never thought in his mind. Number two, why was Joseph so tough to tempt? Number two, Joseph wanted to please God more than he wanted to please himself. You think it, that Joseph would have found pleasure in an illicit affair with his boss's wife? Yep, I think he would have. The Bible said there's pleasure in sin. He was a young man in the prime of his life. He was lonely, and I think it would have been an exciting thing for him. Then why not do it? It would have displeased God. In the face of temptation, Joseph had a decision to make. Do I please myself, or do I please God? God, and he chose to please God. Pleasing God was more important to Joseph than pleasing himself, and that made him tough to tempt. Now what about old David? When faced with temptation, David's only concern was pleasing himself. That's it. He wanted to sleep with Bathsheba, and he didn't care what anyone else thought about it, not even God. God. His aim was to please himself, even if he knew that it displeased God. I'm going to tell you what I'm learning. As long as we live in a world that centers around us, as long as our world revolves around us, oh, we're easy to tempt. We're easy. Number three, why was Joseph tough to tempt? Joseph saw sin for what it really is. He told Potiphar's wife that yielding to temptation would be an act of Wickedness. Now there's a strong word to choose. Wickedness. That's what he said. And furthermore, he told her that his sin or wickedness would not only be against Potiphar, his sin would be against God. No wonder he was so highly motivated to say, no, Joseph saw sin for what it is. Sin is an act of wickedness committed against Our holy God. To Joseph, sin wasn't a momentary lapse of judgment. Sin wasn't simply a bad decision. Or an indiscretion. Or oops, my mistake. Or a shortcoming. Those are all terms that we've chosen to use to water down the fact that sins are act of wickedness committed against a holy and a righteous God. Joseph knew that he, if he did this, he would not only be doing Potiphar wrong, he'd be doing God wrong, and that really made him tough to tempt. What about his counterpart here, David? David committed, uh, committed adultery with a good friend's wife. He tried on two occasions to deceive his friend. When that failed, he had his friend killed so that he could marry his widow. Do you know, do you know when David finally called all of that sin? Do you know when he finally called it sin? Uh, more than a year later and that only when God was confronting him with all that he had done. David never saw sin to be what it really is. Number four, what made Joseph tough to him? Joseph really cared about others. When Joseph was faced with temptation, he immediately began to think about his boss, Potiphar. He thought of all that Potiphar had done for him and all that Potiphar had given him. And I believe he asked, in light of all this man has done for me, and he did ask this, how could I do this to him? At this point, Joseph isn't thinking of himself. He's thinking of Potiphar. He's thinking about how much this would disappoint him. He cared about Potiphar and he did not want to hurt him. Joseph recognized something that no man, no man is an island. We're all connected relationally to people who are counting on us to do the right thing. I'm going to say that again because you can't miss that. You ready? We are all relationally connected to people who are counting on us to do the right thing. Joseph saw that. Joseph was well aware that yielding to temptation was going to bring a lot of pain into the lives of people he cared about. And that made him tough to tempt. What about David? Uh, Once again, I emphasize David was only thinking of himself. He he wasn't thinking about what's, what's going to be best for Bathsheba. Oh, no. He certainly wasn't thinking about what was going to be best for Uriah. He wasn't thinking about what an awful predicament he was going to put his military commander Joab in. He wasn't thinking about the other soldiers who would die alongside of Uriah. And he certainly wasn't thinking about their families who would be grieving and mourning for them. He wasn't thinking about anybody else. Joseph wasn't thinking of the pain it would bring into his own family and the suffering that he would bring upon his own family excuse me david wasn't david only cared about david nobody else and that made him easy to tempt number five you see how we're moving kind of quickly right i told you you got six that might not have been altogether the truth (laughs) number five joseph was tough to tempt because joseph thought about the consequences Joseph, when Joseph explained his refusal to Potiphar's wife, he mentioned trust. He said, my master, trust me. It had taken Joseph ten years of right living, ten years of integrity, ten years of hard work to earn Potiphar's trust. And he wasn't about to risk losing it. Sorry. But I believe there was more that Joseph wasn't willing to risk. He wasn't willing to risk his reputation. He wasn't willing to risk his position. He wasn't willing to risk all that he had accomplished in ten long years. He wasn't willing to risk his relationship with Potiphar. Joseph thought about the consequences of his actions. He, in other words, he used some foresight, and that made him tough to tempt. What about David? Say, man, you're picking on David. You know, the Bible put these stories in... in, 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 in excuse me, God put these stories in the Bible, for our example. And Sometimes we learn from... Mistakes they made, and sometimes we learn from successes. And in this case, we're learning from Joseph's successes, but we're learning from David's mistakes. It appears to me that David never thought about the consequences. Never. He never thought about the risk. He never thought about possible complications. He never thought about the fact that she might get pregnant after this one-night stand. He never thought about tomorrow... He never thought about divine retribution. In other words, if I do this, one day God's going to pay me back. I'm sure David never really thought at all. It's as though he disengaged his mind for about a year. And uh, you know what? That made him easy to tempt. Number six, Joseph was wise. He was tough to tempt because he was wise. Potiphar's wife propositioned Joseph. had to be tempting. But Joseph refused. He resisted temptation once. That's got to be a win, man. And then the next thing you know, temptation is pulling at him again. But he refused. Day after day, temptation called to Joseph. So what did he do? As Potiphar's wife ratcheted up the pressure... Joseph began to keep away from her as much as possible. That may sound weak to you. Sounds wise to me. To get tough with temptation, Joseph avoided temptation. I got to say that one again. You know, I wrote that. Even though I wrote it, I think that's pretty doggone good. You know what? To get tough with temptation, Joseph avoided temptation. That's wisdom in action. What about David? David's temptation began when he wasn't where he was supposed to be and he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. That's unwise. That proved to be very unwise. When David spied Bathsheba taking the bath, he didn't run from temptation as Joseph did. Oh, no, no. He lingered in the presence of temptation. That was very unwise. Rather than avoiding temptation, we learned last week that David kept inching, inching closer and closer to temptation until David's lack of wisdom led him right into temptation's noose. So you want to get tough with temptation? You can. Say how, Ronnie. Do what Joseph did. See the, see this page. This is my original conclusion. That I'm not going to share with you this morning. <laughs> you say you know if you want I'll give it to you later if you really really want it. You want to get tough with temptation? Do what Dave. Excuse me. Do what Joseph. Did now? I'm sitting there this morning. I'm going over my notes, and I just heard the Holy Spirit say something to me. I heard him. <laughs> wrap, huh? Okay, I got it. Got I got my voice back. It's what Holy Spirit said to me. Wrap up the series today. Conclude it. And I got to tell you, when he told me to conclude it, he didn't have to tell me twice, huh? <laughs> It's been a tough series to preach. It's been tough. So when he said, wrap it up, I'm like, you got it. How do I do that? (laughs) All week, this is what I've been thinking. In light of everything that we've read and and, in light of everything that we've learned, if I were going to condense a life plan, just have a condensed life plan that was doable and effective, based on all of this, what would it be? I mean, we've talked about a lot. I've shared, we've, we've learned a lot of action steps. But if I were going to consolidate everything down into a simple life plan, what would it look like? Six steps. I told you I lied about those six steps, didn't I? Originally, going to be six points. You say, Ronnie, I don't know. It's 1015. I, I promise you this is going to go quickly. To get tough with temptation, this is what I'm going to do. And I hope you'll follow suit. Love God. Say what? Love God. As He wants to be loved. You know how much that is. He said so. He tells us in the Bible. To, we're supposed to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, we're supposed to love God more than anyone else or anything else. And that includes more than we love ourselves. How do we get there? That kind of love is the byproduct of a healthy relationship with God. Get to know God, and the better you know him, the more you'll love him. You say, what's that got to do with temptation? This is what Jesus said. If you love me, you'll obey me. Am I right? Did he say that? If you love me, you'll obey me. To me, loving God as we're supposed to love God is the number one motivation to do the right thing when we're faced with temptation. So how do you build that relationship? you got to spend time with God. you got to have conversations with God. you got to follow God. There are things that we can do to build the relationship so that as we get to know Him better, we learn to love Him more. And the more we love Him, I'll tell you what, the tougher we are going to be to, to be tempted. You got it? So I'm going to love God. Number two, I'm going to love others. Say, so how, how much as I love myself? And now, what Jesus said, you love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know what Jesus said? If you love God as you're supposed to, and you love your neighbor as you're supposed to, uh, obeying all those other commandments just comes easy. It just comes easy. Loving others is one of the primary motivations to obey God. It's one of the primary motivations to do right when you're faced with a decision, am I going to do right or wrong here? Because let me tell you what, if you love people, what do you do? You want to do good by them, right? If you really love people, I promise you this, if there's any way you can keep pain out of their life, you'll do it. And you do understand that when we yield to temptation, sooner or later, the cat's out of the bag. It becomes public knowledge. And guess who hurts the most? Those closest to us hurt the most. And I'm telling you what, when you're faced with temptation, if you genuinely love others as you love yourself, it is a strong deterrent, it is a strong motivation to go, whoa, no, I'm not doing that. Because long term, when when this becomes public knowledge, It'll crush the people that I love the most. You find yourself going, No, I'm not doing that. Number three, I'm gonna stay alert. Jesus told a group of men that he was extremely close to one day. He said, I'm gonna tell you how to how not to fall into temptation. He said, I'm gonna make it real simple. Watch and pray. Man, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Watch. All through the New Testament, different writers would say, stay alert, watch out, keep your eyes wide open. This is what we've got to do. We've got to develop a healthy, a healthy awareness of the fact that we all have a predator and we are the prey. The devil is the hunter and we are the hunt. Oh, there were so many other stories in the Bible I wanted us to look at. I wanted us to talk about old Balaam, and I wanted us to talk about Achan. I wanted us to look at the temptation of Christ, the prodigal son. There, there were just so many. I wanted us to look at the story of Nehemiah and, and the builders. that They were building the wall, and they came under attack. And, and you, know what, you know what they did? They didn't stop working, but they started watching as they worked. They said, we're not going to let up. We're going to do what God has sent us here to do. We're just going to keep one eye open toward the enemy. That's what I'm talking about, staying alert and understanding. Listen, not allowing the devil to so preoccupy us with with people, with problems, with pleasures, that we forget the fact that we are in a battle and that we have an enemy. And I believe it was Peter that said in 1 Peter 5, 8, that he prowls around like a roaring lion looking, just looking for someone to devour. And you know what Peter said? Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. The fourth thing I'm going to do is pray daily. Jesus taught those men who were close to him, his disciples. He said, let me teach you how to pray. And he said, oh, he said, in this prayer, he said, you're going to pray this every day. You know one of the things he said? Every day you pray this prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Every day. Listen to me, guys. Every day. Every day. At the outset of our day, we need to bow our heads and lift our voice to God and say, if you would be willing, lead me around as much temptation as you care to lead me around. But when I walk straight into it, You deliver me from the evil one. I'm telling you, every day we ought to pray that prayer. Every day we pray that for us. We pray that for our spouse. We pray that for our children. We pray that for our church. Never drop our guard on that. Number five, be wise. To the degree that it is possible. We must keep a safe distance from the things that tempt us, and everybody's got something. To the degree that it is humanly possible, we keep our distance from the things that tempt us, and when all else fails, run. You got it? Run! Man, I remember talking to this dude, he was telling me, There's this girl I work with, and We've become emotionally attached. I, I got a feeling it's headed to a bad place. and Man, I don't know what to do. I said, I do. Run, dude. Run. He said, what do you mean run? I said, quit your job. Quit it. Get out of there. Well, oh, I can't quit my job. You can, I said, son, you can quit your job or you're about to lose your wife. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your reputation. You're going to lose it all. I'd trade my job for that. He didn't, and he lost all of that. Listen to me, there comes a point in time where temptation gets its tentacles wrapped around you. And I'll tell you, the only thing, the only move you've got is to run. I mean run like there's a lion after you who intends to devour you. Get away! Well, for a minute, I didn't know how to close this just 30 minutes ago. It's closing out pretty good, isn't it? Number six, final one, let the Holy Spirit help you. Let the Holy Spirit of God help you. You say, well, I'm not sure. I don't remember the sermon where you talked about that because we hadn't talked about it yet. And so I'm kind of laying, just telling you, giving you an introduction, a heads up. My next sermon series is going to revolve around the Holy Spirit. You say, when are you going to start it? Probably sometime in May. I don't know exact Sunday, but it'll probably be in May. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to discover who he is. We're going to discover how he's related to us, connected to us. We're going to learn about his ministry to us. I tell you, for eight weeks, we've talked about the one that's against us. Let me tell you what, for quite some time, we're going to talk about the one who's for us. You know what John said of him? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now the whole series about the Holy Spirit is not going to be devoted to how he helps us resist temptation. But I promise you this, there's probably going to be at least one sermon in that series where we learn how the Holy Spirit helps us resist temptation. I want to encourage you to do something. In regard to this series. Don't just be a listener. You you're with me? Don't just be a listener. Not, not on this one. There's too much at stake. You got to be a doer. You got to be a doer. I'd encourage you. At least once a year. To sit down and listen to all eight parts of this series. At least once a year. I think it will help you stay alert. I think it will help you get tough with temptation. Let's pray together. Father, it might be time for us to face the cold, harsh reality that if we've been easy to tempt, we might know the heart of our problem. must not love you as we should. We must not love our families as we should. We're pleasing ourselves. We take a back seat to pleasing you and protecting you. to come pre- preoccupied I don't know what changes that we've all got to make I just know that we've all got to make changes so you help us to apply this Help us, Lord, to recognize times in our week when we could go back and visit these sermons again and listen to them. Pick up on anything we missed. Apply everything you've taught us so that we're tough to tempt. God, we don't want to bring pain to our family members, our church members. we can do that Lord is by being tough to tempt. So you help us walk out here today determined now, now at this point in my life, I am going to get tough with temptation. This is our prayer God, offered in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys. Have a great Sunday afternoon.